let's say they want to just host a show at home and they just don't want to deal with Eventbrite or a ticketing platform or something like that and, and do it on this. It's also a great way to that artists, musicians can network with each other and, and support the touring artists that are, are coming through. At the yeah. core, every artist could theoretically be a host and it could start within the artist community hosting other artists too, Gym right? spaces, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There are lots of tools that we, you know, we provide to support on the back end. Like for, for online shows, we provide customer support. We also provide tech support to the users. Yeah. If you cool. want to jump on, like there, you can kick the tires on there. There's nothing is obligating. You can set up a profile, like a space profile or an artist profile, and just kind of mess around and see what's possible. Mm -hmm. One of the other features is you can drop an availability pin as an artist of where you want to play with yes. a uh, range of, of space and a date range. And every mm. single host within that bubble, that radius pin that you drop, will get an email saying, Ari's looking for shows in your area between this date and this date. This episode is brought to you by DistroKid. DistroKid is a distribution service that can get your music into all the DSPs like Spotify, Apple Music, TikTok, Tidal, Instagram. Over a million artists have used DistroKid. I'm one of those artists. I've used DistroKid to get my music out, distribute some of my songs. As you know, as I look into all of these distribution services, I test them out. And DistroKid is great. They offer a ton of features, annual fee unlimited uploads and you keep a hundred percent of your royalties check out districtkid.com what's going on welcome to the new music business i'm your host ari herstand author of how to make it in the new music business the book Today, my guest is Dan Mangan. He is a two-time Juno Award-winning and two-time Polaris Music Prize listed musician and songwriter. If you don't know the Juno Awards, it's like Canada's version of the Grammys. He lives in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, and he's released five studio LPs. He tours extensively. He sold on Massey Hall in Toronto. That's a 3,000-capacity theater. Uh, he has performed Glastonbury Festival and Jimmy Kimmel Live, and he um, has scored soundtracks for Netflix, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We're not actually talking about his music career today, but now you know uh, who he is and where he comes from. We're talking about the startup, the platform that he founded, Side Door, which is it started as a house concert network, a way that you can book shows, book uh, house concerts, and I guess alternative spaces, as he likes to call it, concerts, and they have a whole ticketing system, and we get into the nuances of how this works. Obviously, when the pandemic hit, they had kind of had to pivot. They then turned into live streaming, so now they do it all. Uh, they've paid out over a million dollars to artists through the platform, through this, this ticketing platform with live stream shows and uh, house concert shows, and I got really excited when I discovered them. They're a very new company. So they've had some pretty large artists that have used Side Door, including Vance Joy and Tom O'Dell, Busy Phillips, Broken Social Scene, Stephen Page, Sparta, Jim Cuddy, the list goes on, um, Colin Hay, Feist, all of that. So it, it's getting out there and it, it, is, um, it is becoming known. I think you're really going to enjoy this conversation, especially if you've ever done the house concert thing or you're intrigued by doing uh, playing alternative venues or if you're even just looking for a... Uh, a, a live streaming platform. If, if uh, the ones out there are not really cutting it for you and you have an audience that wants to buy tickets, this might be 
a solution. Uh, this is not a we don't we don't have an official partnership or anything like that. They're not paying me. This is just a company that I thought was really interesting and and I wanted to highlight and I'm rooting for uh, because as somebody who has played uh, many 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 house concerts over my career, I think it's a beautiful magical experience and that I think everybody should should try. And sometimes it is more impactful playing a house concert in front of 30 people than playing a a giant theater arena in front of 3,000 people. It is pretty special, and I highly recommend it. As always, you can find us at Ari's Take on all the socials, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. Uh, you can find me at Ari Herstan on Instagram and on Twitter. You should visit Ari'sTake.com and sign up on the email list. That is where you're going to get the most up-to-date information. But quickly, pause this and, and follow this, this show, po- uh, this podcast, whether you're on uh, whatever platform you're on just hit that follow like subscribe button the up thumb whatever whatever you're doing just show us some love and if you could head over to apple podcast and leave us a five-star review that really helps uh there was some negative nancy in there that i did notice oh oh i read these yes i do uh that they were upset that we were taking a break and that we re-aired one of the episodes. Um, and I don't think that merited a, a two-star review. We have to take breaks, uh, Thomas. So, uh, you know, that's uh, that's what we do. So if we could bury that negative review with some other positive reviews, that would be, uh, pr- that would be appreciated. All right, let's kick into the show. Dan Mangan, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, man. Nice <laughs> so, where here. are you? Uh, where are you coming to me from right now? I am in Vancouver, uh, BC, up in uh, great, great white north. Canada. I am, I am jealous of this beautiful studio that you're in right now with this uh, upright and and everything that you got going on back there. Probably, probably not a bad place to. to is this where you quarantined last year? Uh, kind of, yeah. <laughs> I, this is this is my. I've been. I'm fortunate enough to have been kind of built this little studio into my home mm. um it's also nicely soundproofed uh, and that comes in handy when the kids are freaking out upstairs <laughs> um so i spend a lot of time down here this is sort of um where i can come for a meeting and it can be reasonably quiet that said it is also not unusual that a small person would come in here and ask me for some granola oh. balls or something in the middle of a meeting. Of course, of course. I think we are, um, everybody is accustomed to that at this point. I just, I just anticipate that there's going to be small uh, humans that are climbing over everyone I'm speaking to over Zoom. That's just, yep. that's just uh, commonplace at this point. Um, cool. So I, in the process of writing the third edition of my book, um, I uh, I stumbled upon uh, upon side door, and I am as a singer songwriter who has performed over a hundred house concert shows and just like done the house concert thing. Um, you know, it was very intriguing to me because I've explored a lot of the different platforms that have come and gone, some that are still around. All the house concerts that I've ever done have been, um, you know, just. Uh, old-fashioned method send an mm-hmm. email out does anybody want to host something and like patchwork something together and and you know pass the hat and uh you're on your way saw some merch you're, you're good to go um you know and there have been people in the space uh that other singer songwriters um that have tried something that like a platform that you've done and um I'm curious, uh, with without getting too much into um, kind of your whole journey and, and people, I've already set you up in the intro so everybody knows who you are, a brilliant singer-songwriter and touring artist. Um, I, uh, 
I'm curious to know where did Side Door come from? Mm-hmm. And uh, let's get to like, you can lead me all the way up to COVID okay. <laughs> with okay. it. And then, because I know you pivoted a little bit, which was also really smart. Everything took um, a turn at that point. Yeah. But like, um, step me through the process and, and uh, where this came from. Well, okay. I, did, I, I booked my very first tour in 2006 uh, using MySpace. And <laughs> I, you know, I like hassled venues that had profiles on my, MySpace. I also, what I would do is I would like put uh, all the places where I wanted to go as a, as a gig listing. And then I would say like, you know, call me, like, like message me if you want to host <laughs> me in St. Louis, you know? Right. Um, and that was sort of like very old school, early days of side door. But um, there was a pretty like inciting moment where I, I begged this venue in Calgary called the Ironwood if I could, you know, come and play. And eventually after months of me harassing them, they, they said, fine. And I came to Calgary um, and I played my show and there's, you know, like four people there maybe. And, um, <laughs> you know, why would I expect anything different? Nobody knew who I was. Uh, right. I, you know, I didn't have a publicist. I had no team. It was totally DIY. Um, and then I got invited like six or seven months later to go back to Calgary. And I played in this guy, Doug's backyard. My friend, Lori, who was a singer songwriter, invited me. And there's like 60, 70 people there. And like you say, right, like they passed the hat. Mm-hmm. make like five, six, seven hundred bucks, sold a million mm-hmm. CDs mm-hmm. back when CDs were a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and, but like, you know, the, the first show in the venue, venue lost money and felt like a failure. The second mm-hmm. show made so much more money and felt like more importantly than the money, like I had made a footprint in Calgary. Mm. Like there was a spark I could fan into a flame. Mm. And that feeling of like, oh my God, what I realized was a few things. Um, I didn't need the venue. I needed Doug. I needed that guy who could kind of be my champion because nobody knew who I was at Doug's backyard, you know, at the beginning of the show. Sure. Uh, They just trusted him and they were coming because he throws these a couple times a year or whatever. Um, And so I had this sort of philosophy of like, I got to find a Doug in every town. And like, I'm I'm going (laughs) to work my way into every town by finding a Doug and then they will be my Trojan horse to like, you Mm. know, get me in that market. Um, and the other thing that, you know, sort of became a very philosophical sort of like a, uh, just a, a, not a tactic, but sort of like a thing in my head that I was always using a mantra almost was like, if your footprint cannot be wide, let it be deep. You know, if you can't sell a thousand tickets, mm. have the most memorable night with 40, 50, 60 people possible that they will never, ever forget. Mm. Um, and that those people will will follow you they will not only care about your music but they will care about you as a person they will think about you they'll tell their their friends mm-hmm. about you they will want you to succeed mm-hmm. and um so you know that's how i built my following especially in those early days was just by doing a ton of house concerts taking any gig that i could get and the trouble was as you said you know the email or the text message like kind of had to know someone who knew someone and i just remember thinking back mm-hmm. in 2006 like man if only there was just like a network you know like and so fast forward (laughs) about 10 years and my career had grown and been very very fortunate and done lots of cool stuff and i i was working Mm -hmm. with a record label called arts and crafts and i made a sort Mm -hmm. of like an umbrella label called matic records and i just there was just like a bunch of young bands that i thought were awesome and nobody wanted to sign them and i was like well i have access to distribution maybe i can try this turns out running labels really hard um, but, uh, <laughs> and none of them had agents either. So like after pitching them at every agent that I could find, nobody wanted them. 
I was like, oh, God, I'm just going to try and get them some gigs. So I, I did a post on Facebook and sort of said, like, I think there's something broken with the with the model by which people, you know, can make a career in music. And, and does anybody want to host shows in their home or whatever? And within, like, a couple of days, I had, yes. like, 80, like, homes in a spreadsheet. And I called it the Matic Records House mm. Concert Series and uh, helped nice. a couple of young bands that I was working with uh, just run some simple tours across Canada. And, um, and that was great. And then, uh, I met Laura Simpson, who was my co-founder at Side Door through a mutual artist friend named mm. Richard Coyne in Halifax, who had said, man, if you're into this house concert thing, you got to talk to Laura. And so she had been running in Halifax, like the very best house concert series that you could hope for. You know, she had like branded mugs oh, cool. and like, you know, the whole setup, the PA and the, <laughs> and the seating and her kids were there at the door, you know, checking people in and. She was even like selling subscription amazing. memberships and all kinds of stuff. Um, and just she's just doing an amazing job and wow. was like cultivating a sold out show for ever, any artist because people just trusted her. Mm-hmm. And so when we connected and she'd had some experience in the startup world um, and we just realized that we had this mutual sort of dream of like this global network of because she worked in the music industry. She worked uh, for like a music Nova Scotia, which would help because um, we're in Canada, we have grant mm-hmm. funding, um, would help artists. God bless that grant funding. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. And uh, so she was in the industry and people would say to her, well, that's great. You can host these because you have access to artists. And she was sort of mm-hmm. like, well, it's not that hard. Like if people just had access to artists, anyone could mm-hmm. do this. Mm-hmm. So coming at it from her at the host side and me and the artist side, and we just realized that we had this sort of shared dream. And, mm-hmm. um, and so she's the CEO. I'm the uh, sort of I have a title that doesn't make a lot of sense, but I'm a co-founder. But uh, mm-hmm. um, we, you know, we we sort of built this together. We incorporated in 2017. Mm-hmm. We had this big light bulb moment where, you know, we'd been focusing so much on house concerts. But really, if that is like the image in your head, mm-hmm. that's like the nucleus. But really, like the big light bulb moment was realizing like, it didn't have to be a house. It didn't have to be a concert. It just mm. had to be a space and a performer of any kind. So you could be... Okay bookstore, warehouse, national park, curling rink, uh, you know, <laughs> legion, uh, and a comedian or a dancer or any, like it could be anything. You know, you're Canadian when you reference curling rink and that is one <laughs> yeah. of your go-to <laughs> examples of a local a venue. Uh, apologies. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, <it's> okay. <laughs> um, Got it. Love it. <laughs> so we, uh, incorporated 2017. And uh, we, you know, at the beginning, we just ran it like human computering, spreadsheets and emails. And we had this base of like 60, 70, 80 people from my initial effort. Mm -hmm. Uh, And we just kind of built it from there. And we got funding and uh, went through like an accelerator and uh, launched launched like 1.0 where people could just like log in and book their own show. It was pretty skimp, pretty pretty rough. Uh, 2019. Um, But, Mm -hmm. you know, by... By the time the pandemic hit, we'd run about 350 shows in all kinds of places. We put like a mm. broken social scene in a goat farm outside of Boise, Idaho, you know, um, <laughs> like all kinds amazing. of crazy stuff. Sure. Um, and it was this amazing ride. And we had a partnership with South by and we'd plan, we mm-hmm. had planned tours for 10 artists down to Austin inside door venues. Cool. And, uh, and of course, everything blows up, everything canceled. Right. So that takes us to the pandemic, um, mm-hmm. you know, and so since then... 
I don't know if you want me to get into this next bit, but uh... I think uh, this is all great, and, and the backstory is brilliant, and and I love I, I love to know that you're now CEO, Laura um, Simpson. She had this history. I was very curious about how she came into the picture. Um, with you, it's a natural fit. It makes a lot of sense. I've I've heard this story. I have this. You know, so many people. Um, hold for fire truck um so <laughs> um so many people so many singer songwriters have that story where i you know you touch i i wrote it down because this is brilliant uh if your footprint can't be wide let it be deep and it it's so true because you know some of the most magical concerts concert experiences i've ever had have been in front of 30 people in a mm-hmm. living room mm-hmm. and you know i've similar to you i've done you know everything all size concerts i've done arenas i've done you know theaters whatever and those are fun too but but the it's it's something there's something special about connecting with every single person in this very intimate space and they're they're holding on to every single word that you're singing and that you're saying and and I, there is such beauty and magic. And I think as an industry, we're so obsessed with numbers and stats mm-hmm. and the macro. Um, you know, that's why I have found, uh, you know, I had the the head of music at Twitch on the show, uh, Tracy Patrick Chan. And he he revealed this startling statistic that that the artists who are making over $50,000 live streaming on Twitch are doing so from 183 people, 183, 183 fans. And it's like live streaming is a perfect example is similar. I I find so many parallels with with live streaming as as house concerts, as you go deep Mm -hmm. within the connection with your fan. And it's not it's the opposite of streaming. It's the opposite of Spotify. If yeah. you don't need millions and millions and millions of streams to, you know, make uh, to scrape by, <laughs> yeah. Um, you you only need a few uh, dugs, as you call them. <laughs> you need those. You need the your cheerleaders, you know. Mm-hmm. And you only you don't need that many. You know, it's that thousand true fans concept. Um, so I see it as a natural progression. I want to fast forward though, because I think you know we all. Um, I think what you did, you know, when the pandemic hit and kind of pivoted and, and opened up um, with the the live stream shows, the interactive shows that you have now over Zoom, which I watched one of the promo videos of Vance Joy and and he invited a bassoonist from God knows where <laughs> and she started playing a little bit beautifully. It was like so cool. Like, like that interactive show concept is really interesting. But uh, highlight what the platform is right now. So if yep. somebody's coming in, whether it's an artist, I mean, most likely we're, we have artists and managers that are listening to this right sure. now. So, so highlight where it is right now and, and how this can be beneficial for artists, um, you know, worldwide. Totally. Okay. So when the pandemic hit, the first thing we did is we wanted to recreate that same sense of intimacy that you were referencing at a, like an in-person show in a living room kind of vibe. Mm-hmm. And, you know, immediately the whole industry started putting a paywall on content. And it was mm. sort of like, it was basically just watching YouTube, but it was maybe happening live and that was enough and there's a chat. And we just felt like that wasn't quite enough. It wasn't like core to the central feeling of what Side Door was. Okay. So we started doing shows over Zoom uh, and very quickly we built a secure ticketing portal for Zoom. So you can mm. sell up to a thousand tickets um, to a Zoom meeting, just like we're having right now, but it's completely mm-hmm. secure. You can't share the link. Uh, there's no Zoom bombers. The only way in is through <laughs> being logged into Side Door and having a ticket in your position. Cool, cool. Um, and so, you know, we've been able to have shows for Vance Joy and Tom O'Dell. And, and is this because you have a 
So, sorry, is this because you have a, a direct partnership with Zoom, or is this a feature that Zoom uh, has released where anybody could theoretically set up a ticketing thing? It like is this? a very sophisticated uh, okay. backend. It, it, you know, we don't have a like a contract with Zoom. We're using mm-hmm. their APIs, but we okay. just kind of hacked together a really sophisticated system that allows like there's no registration emails or corporate sure. Zoom. BS or anything like it, it's really slick. It's really polished. It sort of feels mm-hmm. like you're just clicking on a button, and all of a sudden you're in a Zoom meeting with Vance Joy. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the background, there's this like really sophisticated thing pinging back and forth between side door and Zoom, sure. checking a ticket manifest, you know, creating an instant pre-registration, and then portaling them in. Yeah, I'm always curious how those. I've attended and spoken at a few. Uh, Conference, like music conferences over the mm-hmm. pandemic that used the Zoom technology, but it was skinned in in this really incredible, uh, very complicated infrastructure of the festival where people bought tickets to the festival and the breakout rooms were, I mean, it was, it, the, you can do a lot with it. Most people mm-hmm. don't. And so that's, that's cool that, that you, um, you're, you're one of those that do that. Okay. So that, that makes sense. Sweet. So there's, so there's the zoom ticketing, but then there's also just like hacking the actual experience of being in the mm-hmm. zoom. Right. So like we train people to moderate these shows and run the multi spotlight and scan the chat for, <laughs> you know, quality people to bring up in between songs. And so truly cool. like, rather than focusing on a show in the mm-hmm. typical sense, it was more like a hang like you're kind of hanging mm. with Vance Joy for an hour he's going to play a handful of songs he's going to do some chit chat some Q&A sort of like a meet and greet with like the front row of every city all at the same time amazing I love um, that and a thousand cameras on at once so you're seeing people like landscaping and baking and crying and <laughs> dancing and they're playing with their kids and they're petting their dog um, it's like humanity in a jar and, and you know I, I feel like if there's one thing I learned throughout online shows in the pandemic is that there is no production spend that will recreate the sense uh, of being at a real show. Like you can have yes. the best setup, the best live stream rig. It still feels like it's coming through a box. Mm-hmm. However, if you keep the production exceptionally simple and you instead focus all of your energy into trying to cultivate something that is fleeting and minute to minute and unravels in real time and feels visceral mm-hmm. and, you know, um, then you create this sense of connection with your audience and eerily, there are some situations where, where it's more impactful, more earnest, more direct, more intense. People are crying. Mm. You know, I've seen people get engaged in the middle of a Vance Joy show. I've seen people <laughs> like just bawling their eyes out at a Tom wow. Bell show. Um, there was a Jill Barber show for Mother's Day where um, you know people were people hadn't seen their moms in forever, and they're like mm. dedicating songs to their mom, and then she plays a song. Everyone's crying. Like it's just. Mm. It's so cathartic and so Mm -hmm. crazy. So that was the first type of online show that we leaned into. And then obviously there is a big appetite for live streaming as well. So Mm -hmm. we created a second online lane for what we call broadcast, but it's a live stream scenario. We use a third party provider called Mux. It's the same as a lot of the other competitors like Veeps and stuff. Yep. Um, And uh, there's a chat and there's tipping and there's all the kind of stuff that you would expect from like a ticketed live stream experience. Okay. so there's those, these two different lanes of online shows and you can actually mm-hmm. connect them. So we had, um, mm. for instance, like we did a, a show with, for Dream Serenade, which had Feist and Hayden and, um, you know, Bare Naked Ladies and a, bu- a bunch of bands. And it's a, a, a fundraiser that happens every year in Toronto at Massey Hall. So we did it online and we sold out the thousand Zoom tickets. And mm. then we restreamed it in real time to a securely ticketed broadcast lane. So you kind of have like an overflow of the live wow. stream 
of the interactive events. The people who are watching the live stream are still seeing the interactivity. They're seeing all the people, you know, the thousand people on camera, but they are just themselves can't turn on their own camera. So that was a way mm. that we sort of was able to kind of create like tiers of ticketing, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so we have the two lanes. And so now, long-winded answer, I'm sorry, uh, to where we are <laughs> right now, we are sort of, you know, as of course, we're sort of in this kind of over the pandemic, kind of like love, you know, back into in-person shows, but not mm-hmm. really. Um, some people are still hesitant. So we're kind of like a choosing your own adventure at this point. Like mm-hmm. you've got your two types of online shows or uh, you can do in-person shows. And really what we've realized is that we kind of have two simultaneous products that work interchangeably um we've got a really sophisticated ticketing ip with like tiered ticketing name your price options sophisticated guest list management um, i want to pause there for a second because the tiered ticketing is really interesting um you know i spoke to this uh to uh, the head of um, the founder of Abney Park, this kind of steampunk band out of uh, Seattle, and they they uh, did live stream shows over the um, pandemic, and they they made a quarter million dollars on their live stream show, just ten Amazing. live stream shows. They Amazing. made like twenty five grand a show. It's crazy, but he really hit the point of these tiered tickets. He's like, you know they almost half their money was made in kind of the quote unquote backstage access ticket that he sold for a hundred dollars was like the normal ticket was 15 bucks or something but you know they would after the show there'd be this like little backstage hang thing and people would come and uh what they did was uh it was essentially another concert except in between each song they would took take a shot of hard liquor and so basically their fans got to just watch them get drunk on camera and interact with the chat box and people paid a hundred bucks for that but it was like a way you know um so talk to me about how your tiered ticketing works and is it integrated into the platform and what kind of packages have you seen people use for those um yeah i mean it's there's no question that like you know it's it's like if you're gonna buy a ticket on an airplane they always give you like four different tiers right and you can Mm -hmm. pay for the the one that feels right to you everybody has a different amount of money or a different relationship with money. Mm. And they all like what we know about the arts is that they want to give you what they can. Mm. They want to support you. Yes. Um, and so when you just give people that opportunity, so like, you know, we have name your price. So people can set like a minimum and a suggested price, but if somebody wants to give you 200 bucks, they can do that. Cool. Um, but then on top of the name your price, mm-hmm. we have the tiers. So you can set up any number of tickets for any number of, you know, they can be flat rate or they can be name your price. I'll give you an example of a thing that I just I did personally the, a little while ago. I was running a uh, an, an online screening of a documentary that was made about me, um, and so we did like a twelve dollar minimum, twenty dollars suggested uh, base entry, so people could pay as little as twelve, or but suggested twenty if they wanted to pay more, they could, mm. and that sort of got you like the the screening and the replay. Uh, and then we did another one that was minimum twenty five, and that one was. Um, you would get the same thing as before, but then you would also get an MP3 recording of the concert where the documentary was filmed that you could play like in full, just here's the concert. Mm. And almost as many people paid for the $25 ticket for an MP3 as did pay the, the other one. And then there was a third tier wow. where I said for 50 bucks, you fill out this Google form and I will uh, send you a video shout out. It could be for you, it could be for your 
you know, your, your wife or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, happy birthday, Merry Christmas, whatever. How many of those and, can, did you have to do? <laughs> I, I did. I did close to 50 of them. Oh um, my gosh. But so, you know, like here you have a situation where people were willing and more than willing in some cases, sure. sometimes they opted to pay a hundred dollars instead of 50 just because they wanted to. And so over the course of this thing, you know, rather than having like a baseline of $15 a ticket, I think that in the end, the average price paid per customer was like $26 or something like that. Incredible. So it just really skews everything up, you know? Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And truly, like, people want to support you if they can. They really, really, truly do. If, if your art means something to them, and it's the mm-hmm. same thing for me, like, anytime, I, like, an artist friend puts me on the guest list and I go to their show here in Vancouver, I buy, like, $70 worth of merch at the merch table. Cause right, like, right. You know, I just want to, like, give it back. <laughs> Likewise. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that's great. No, and, and um, you know, Derek Sivers says, uh, your fans want to pay you, let them. So offering ways to enable, to allow your fans to pay you more money is huge. The name your price feature is amazing, you know, and I love that Bandcamp does that. Um, and uh, that's, that's great. And, and because, you know, these are live stream shows and, and not you know, there is no physical merch table. You can go and give them 70 bucks, uh, the thing. Um, that's nice that, that, you know, you have these options. So, um, what do you see now in terms of how artists are using this? Are artists coming to side door, registering, booking their own shows, inviting people here? And it's like, this is just kind of become, um, you know, a monetized version, a, a ticketed live stream a la stage it or veeps or, mm-hmm. or something like that or are uh hosts spaces presenters coming in there putting on you know home concerts or or concerts in there i mean like where's the focus now or yeah. is it both it's it's kind of all of the above so we have like okay. you know seasonal presenters running you know 30 shows or like 15 shows with hybrid tickets online and in person. Um, we've got artists coming and just like, you know, as an artist, you could set up a profile and book yourself an online show in like five minutes. Okay. Um, so there, you know, what we're realizing is that we're kind of serving a lot of different types of people. We've got like seasoned professionals. We've got like community halls with a mandate to, to you know, do something for their community who are doing mm-hmm. online versions and in-person versions. So earlier when I said like, choose your own adventure, it's, you know, as a startup, it's really tricky because have like serving lots of masters is not easy. And right. you kind of, you kind of want to serve like as few, but do a really good job mm-hmm. types of, and then, you know, and just get more and more of those. Um, but so, you know, we kind of have these two products, right? Like there's really mm-hmm. sophisticated ticketing, beautiful, polished ticketing. Mm-hmm. And some people only use that. Like some people don't use our marketplace at all. Like some people aren't, you know, connecting with other users. But then there's there is the marketplace, and that concept that's that is the one that is like close to my heart. Like I like the fact that we are allowing artists to continue to make money through the pandemic. Mm-hmm. But I think you you probably would agree that online shows you play to the your silo. It's very hard to build an yes. audience with online. Yes. Shows. And when I think about how I built an audience. And when I think about the only way that I know how to create like true long-term meaningful relationships mm-hmm. with an audience yes. is through live performance. And so, 
you know, my, my vision, like right now we have over 2000 alternative venue spaces in North America and about 5,000 artists. I want, hold on, hold on, hold on. You said, say that sad again. You have 2000 live performance spaces in North America. Is that right? Yeah. We've got over 2000, um, like alternative venue spaces. So that's bookstores, libraries, living rooms, backyards, barns, curling rinks, uh, curling (laughs) rinks. And, 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 okay. My vision Yes. Um, and this, like, this has happened, you know, literally on the platform. But my vision okay. for all artists is, you like stop at, for lunch. You're like, hey, we got we got a day off in, you know, Sacramento next Thursday. What spaces are on side door? And so you look on side door. You find yourself a cool space, been well reviewed. Maybe some of your pals have played there before, or you, some mm-hmm. artists you recognize. And so you send them a note. And you get into the show booking UI with them and you build a show over lunch. And by the time you've finished your soup, you've got a show booked, <laughs> up, ticketed for next mm-hmm. Thursday. Um, you know, and so like what happens is that when you book a show collaboratively on Side Door, that ticket mm-hmm. revenue gets held in escrow. You have an you have like a unique automated split on the show. Mm-hmm. You can like really, really smart settlements where uh, everyone gets paid out their share automatically after the show. So you don't ever have to ask to be paid. Um, and so the idea is like, bam, over the course of the lunch, I've booked myself a show. I've posted on socials. It's already on sale. It's already moving tickets. And so this idea that like shows need to be booked six months in advance by an right. agent over a series of phone calls, like we can right. automate this. And the truly, the, like, if you look at it like a funnel, you've got a handful of venues down here. And you've mm-hmm. got, I'll do it this way so my camera can see. And out mm-hmm. here, you've got all these, all the artists, right? And so mm-hmm. labels, managers, agents, promoters, they gatekeep for the venues. They provide a service to the venues to keep those venues full so that those venues can continue to sell booze, so that those venues can survive and stay open. It's mm-hmm. not evil. There's nothing evil going on here. Everybody is winning in this situation, except for the fact that 97% of touring acts do not have a booking agent booking their shows for them. Right. So you've got 97% of artists up here who can't make their way through the funnel mm-hmm. and they burn out and they, you know, they kind of like give up or whatever, um, or they struggle. And so my, our whole thing is like, what if this funnel was a sieve? What if all mm-hmm. of these artists could have a one-to-one relationship and instead of having nine small to mid-sized clubs in Chicago, why not like 900 or 9,000, you know, like there are, mm-hmm. like there could be so many venues. Um, if you think about all the commercial spaces and private offices and. So I, 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 that's a, that's a beautiful vision and I hope we get there and, and I'm fully on board with all that you said. Um, so tell me where the reality is at right now of, of how this is working, because like, you know, um, it's hard enough running a venue, and if you have a space, uh, you know, there's peer, there's the peer space network in America. I'm not sure if it's in Canada, but you can like, you know, rent out your space for 50 bucks an hour or whatever. And you, but what it really takes, what I think going back to the core is going is, is it takes a Doug in every city. It takes that <laughs> yeah. cheerleader to invite all their friends and say, hey, you're going to love Dan Mangan. He's going to be your favorite artist. You got to come. Just trust me. Yes, it's going to pay 20 bucks to come. But I promise you it's going to be the best evening ever. And he riles up 60 of his friends to come to your your show in his living room. Mm-hmm. Um, how does that happen? And is it happening that way? And how does that all fit into this? At this point, that is most of the way. So okay. it may come to a point where like, you know, on side door, you can like rent a hall for the night and you pay a deposit or whatever, you know, it's yeah. more transactional. At this point, 
what I am way more interested in is the Doug effect. Like I want, mm -hmm. I want somebody, a regular person who's not in the industry to take a chance on an artist that they just heard of and they met them over side door, yes. but they liked them and they go, Hey, this, this person's great. Like, you know, we sh let's do something. We'll do it in my backyard. And you know, it's hard to rent a venue and it's hard to keep a venue afloat, but yes, a lot of like, you know, if you're like a residential host on side door, chances are you're doing like maybe four a year. So it's mm. like, you know, it's a little bit more spaced out. We have some that are doing like maybe one a week, which are more mm. like commercial spaces, bookstores and stuff like that. Okay. Um, and so you, but the nice thing is that you can kind of interact with the platform in the way that suits your life and okay. brings you, you know, <laughs> sparks joy in for you. Yeah. Um, and that truly is what I'm most interested in. And that's like the behavior that we're trying to teach the most of. And the truth is that when you go see Ari perform at Doug's place, you're looking around like, man, this is so special. And you're seeing everyone smiling and you're seeing the way that they look at Doug and they're going, Doug, man, how'd you pull this together? You know, <laughs> and you kind of go, this doesn't look that hard. You know, <laughs> like, mm -hmm, you mm -hmm. kind of have to see it. And then you go, oh man, like how many people went to a so far show and then go like, oh, I, I want to, I could do this. I want to help run this. I have good taste right. in music, you know? Yeah. And so our value prop, like we, we love that so far has sort of proven that there is appetite for these small intimate shows. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that there's some issues with the model of how artists are getting paid and that's been well publicized. Right. But, you know, what they've done a really amazing job of is like fostering this vibe of these experiences. Mm -hmm. And so people would go to it and it would grow really organically. And so what we're kind of doing is taking that like 30,000 foot view where we're sort of giving people the engine whereby they can be their own so far sounds. You can curate for your community. Real quick, I want to let you know about DistroKid. Well, I'm sure you already know about DistroKid, but they are partners with Ari's Take, and they are a great company that can help get your music distributed to Spotify, Apple Music, TikTok, Tidal, Instagram, all of that. Over a million artists use DistroKid. I'm one of those artists. I have distributed some of my music in the past. And something I appreciate about DistroKid as not just an artist, but someone who studies this space is they have been one of the most innovative companies over the last 10 years. They came in and completely changed the game. One of the first companies offering unlimited uploads, and now most of the other distributors have had to change their policies to kind of copy and follow suit uh, what DistroKid was doing, and the industry had changed, of course. DistroKid doesn't keep a commission. That means you keep 100% of your royalties and earnings from the DSPs. They also offer payment splitting. They call it splits, something that, for me at this point, is a deal breaker. I don't want to have to cut checks to all my collaborators and the producers and everybody else that is owed royalties and owed splits from my earnings. DistroKid will cut those checks directly. You can get them to uh, your collaborators to sign up, and then DistroKid will cut all the checks to all your collaborators. And they were one of the first to offer that of the DIY self-service distributors. DistroKid continues to innovate. Check them out. If you need to get your music out there, districtkid.com. Yeah. And, and I mean, that's a, um, that's a great idea and great concept. Um, so where are we at right now in terms of like, if I were, to, so I just registered an account as an artist, I nice. went on, I'm like, great. I want to book a, you know, you mentioned like, let's, you know, fill in the holes of my tour or potentially book a tour, or let's just say, I want to try this out in 
you know, LA, that's where I am in the area. So I like put in LA, let me look at the spaces. You know, is there like, I didn't find, I didn't see a map feature where I could see where all the hosts are. So I'd be like, oh, let me just route a tour and, yeah. and connect with all of these hosts. So I just searched LA and I saw, and like, there were a few venues that I didn't seem like, and most of them I don't think had ever hosted an event before. And I don't think a lot of them really maybe understood what it was. There was one that I think was just like a, that we can host your live streams. Then I was like, well, is it, do I'm going to have to pay you a rental fee? Is this just like peer space? Right. Um, how, how does this really work right now? And I guess what I'm getting at is, is, you know, how many artists are signing on fresh saying i want to find my doug in every right, city right. and i want to book a show i don't have any fans in you know the midwest and let's go uh how can i book some shows out there when i'm heading out to the east coast or whatever like yeah tell me tell me where we're at right now realistically so about 65 percent of our spaces are still in canada that's where we started that's kind of like okay. where we proved the concept okay. Um, and what we found is that they, it requires a bit of a critical mass until okay. that sort of like wheel can turn and like anyone okay. can jump in and start like actually like finding great success. So obviously we're doing everything we can to make sure that LA has as many hosts as possible in New York and Chicago and Dallas and, you know, all mm -hmm. those sort of population centers. And, you know, we've got a we're pretty good luck uh, in, in Nashville. And what we were finding is that pre-pandemic, a lot of these communities were sort of building organically because we'd get one host. Mm. And then people would go to the, like a show. And then from that show, we'd get like three or four more hosts who kind of saw mm -hmm. what was going on and wanted to use it as well. Cool. Um, and then of course the pandemic blindsided everything and all of that right. momentum that we had. So, and then, okay. you know, we, at the pre pandemic, we had one developer. We were a very, very small lean or outfit through the pandemic. We closed a funding round. We hired, you know, five more developers and a product manager Things are moving much more swiftly now when it comes to the product. And so now, like we've focused so much on the online stuff, like the amount of tech that we built for sure. all of this crazy ticketing and Zoom and broadcast and everything. Um, mm. So now we're at this really tricky point where we are starting to refocus our money and our energy and our build and our sort of like outside the product efforts of like recruiting and we're trying to really bring the in-person concept back to the forefront. Mm -hmm. It's tricky. It's a tricky time. I don't know if people are like super stoked to have strangers in their home yet, you right. know? Right, right, right. So we're battling some sort of like, uh, let's say, uh, zeitgeist climate stuff that is not mm -hmm. well-timed for us on the in-person stuff. Sure. However, um, you know, the silver lining is that I mean, I want to say silver lining because it sucks, but like, you know, talk to your agent about trying to get a hold on any decent venue in 2022 on a Friday or a Saturday. Like, you know, mm -hmm. every venue that has survived is booked solid. Right. right. Um, so there's never been a bigger squeeze on performance spaces. Yes. So we believe that. Not to mention all the, the venues that have shut down. Um, of course, you know, yeah. over the last couple of years. And so it's like, yes, every artist wants to get back on the road and tour. Every venue is booked solid um, in part because so many other venues that would naturally host a lot of this demand have have closed up shop. So I think I think this is the perfect time to do this. Mm -hmm. And that like, you know, already organically, I don't know what it's like up there, but 
there were so many backyard concert series and and like alternative venues that popped up um you know because of venue shutting down but also just yeah. because of the restrictions and people are just wanting to play and and just lots of like stuff, right. yeah yeah lots of outdoor stuff yeah and we're in the winter now you know so i mean suffice to say like we don't have as many spaces in la as i would like you know mm-hmm. <laughs> um and and it's it's an ongoing effort to to make sure that you know because that, that experience yeah. that you've had you know that's too mm-hmm. bad like I, I want you to go on there and be like oh man like you know and you know if, mm-hmm. if you were in greater toronto area where there's like you know 400 spaces you know i mean there are a lot of canadian musicians listening to this right now so everyone who's listening to this in canada hop on and and book yourself a a tour book yourself some shows the other thing i will say is like every artist you and me both probably who's interested in this at all at all probably knows a few house concert series and a few hosts that they've worked with in the past like my hope is that this concept is mm-hmm. exciting enough that you would send an email or a text to those hosts and be like, you might want to check this out because, mm-hmm. you know, essentially we are trying to solve the problems for all sides of the equation. We're trying to solve the problem okay. for artists. And what we've learned is that really the only way that we can solve problems for artists is by solving problems for the hosts. Because if there are mm-hmm. no hosts, then this whole thing collapses, right? Exactly. So it's, you know, it's it's an ongoing it's yeah, a, it's a bit of and chicken and the egg. It, it makes sense, and and I mean that's. So why would a host choose to use your platform? You take a ten percent cut. Um, you know, I know that um, hosts and artists can negotiate the split. Hosts can keep up to forty percent, uh, but that can be uh, you know zero percent if they want to give it all to the artist. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but but why not just them do it on their own and email text with the artist and just set it up organically the traditional old school method so a handful of things um one is we do handle all the pro remittance so one thing we didn't want is artists submitting a set list from a show and then you know doug gets an email Mm. from bmi or or ascap and says hey you know you owe us money from this show that happened at your venue and uh, so we wanted to protect all of our users um, and so we do all automatic PRO remittance for in-person shows or for online shows. What online about live are... music license licensing? If if you're going that far, I, I, it's great you're you're getting the PRO blanket licenses and doing all that stuff and whatnot. But uh, yeah, I mean, we got pretty hefty licenses to do a live music space, you know, in any city in America. Yeah. You mean like to actually handle it like like for like putting on Spotify while people are no 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 it? licensing I, I mean the city of Los Angeles this is a that's if you're going that far because like all of the house concert series that I'm talking about they're not licensing with the city they're not paying yep. BMI or ASCAP or whatever you know it's like and, and like ASCAP and BMI are not coming after house concert series because for one. Uh, I believe there's a clause in there. You can play music privately in your home uh, for some people or whatever. I don't know if you charge tickets. There might be whatever. I, I think if it's like, you know, passing the hat sort of is the, is the you know, gotcha. charging access. Um, yeah. But so, you know, part of what we're doing here is we're trying to daylight this activity that has traditionally happened through cash, mm-hmm. traditionally happened underground, and trying to make it legitimate so that mm-hmm. artists can give this, you know, give a CSV spit out to their accountant and say this is these are the gig i just made a hundred thousand dollars playing 
house concerts this year. You mm-hmm. know, here here is my legitimate business organizing and running. So PRO remittance is something we handle. Also, a lot of hosts, let's say let's say you can sell some tickets and you have a nice, you know, I don't a lot of hosts don't want to be handling a couple thousand dollars in cash and they sure. don't want to have and they don't want it going through their bank account because they don't mm-hmm. want the IRS coming after them saying, "What? where's this money coming from and why mm-hmm. and who is it going to? So through our system, you can find an artist, you can connect with them, you can book and create like a digital smart contract with them that is transparent. You can both check sales in real time. Okay. Um, and then after the show, if let's say you only want to take 5% or you want to take 0% and you don't want to mm-hmm. handle the money at all because that's not why you're doing it, the artist will get paid all of their share you will, you have access to all the show details because you're logged in. However, you know basically everyone gets paid automatically their share, so you can wash your hands of it and mm-hmm. say, "Look, I'm just doing this for the love of it. I'm doing it to discover art, sure. and I'm doing it to you know provide a service for my community." Um, and so you can essentially be completely above board, completely legit, completely you know um, legal in every mm-hmm. sense, mm-hmm. Uh, and still have the intimacy, still have the the awesome, cool, you know, fuzzy, fuzzy stuff. So all of these mm. questions, these are really yeah. important for questions that we've been facing from the beginning of like, well, I'm what sure. services can we provide to mm-hmm. entice those hosts to come on to, to stay and connect with artists so that more artists can have a place to play. So those are the those are the things we're trying to solve. That's great. And, and just, you know, to give some stats, I saw on your website, maybe you can update these or something. But You've sold 120,000 tickets, I guess. Uh, you've had over 550 in in-person shows, and have paid out over a million dollars to artists. Is that correct? Yeah, growing all the time. You know, that's probably sure. a few months old or something like that. But it, you know, it's it's not probably not double that. You know, it's a. Uh, and what would you say the average uh, for the in-person concerts? The the I guess the the median number, not counting the bare naked ladies show, uh, the the median con- uh, number of attendees and the median amount of money that artists are walking with from these in person alternative venue shows. Yeah. So pre pandemic, average ticket price was like twenty bucks, okay. and average attendance was like somewhere around like high thirties, maybe your low forties. And people were walking away with average like five to nine hundred bucks kind of thing. Okay. Um, and you know we felt like that was great considering yeah. that a lot of these people were making fifty dollars playing to the same amount of people in a in a club. You know. Or right. Something. Right. Um, it's it's all about you know in in this situation more of the money goes to the uh, the artist mm-hmm. and you know really that club should they, they made the mistake. It's it's like they 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 shouldn't have had the artist that could only fill forty people in a two hundred mm-hmm. space. They should have had it. You know, it's just sort of like a improper delegation of of, of space. Mm-hmm. So it's like we're we're really trying to serve that that echelon. Um, now it's interesting because we've seen the ticket price just skyrocket. Like now, hmm. in this sort of like slightly post pandemic world for in person shows. We've seen people paying 25, 30, 40 easily for a show, even if it's not like a huge name. And mm-hmm. uh, people are sort of happy to pay it. I think they want to put money in artists' pockets. Mm-hmm. Um, and beyond that, I think that they, you know, they're just so hungry for for anything, you know, hungry for any kind of artistic experience. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I, I don't have the number on me right now for like what the average take home is, but you can kind of do the math. No, yeah, that's great. So, um, where do you see this 
going i mean I, I i i know the dream that you you mentioned before which is which is great and and i i hope that happens because i i think every artist that's listening to this is just like man i would love to be able to book a show in a town i've never been to knowing nobody there having zero fans there and having 30 people show up and walking with 500 to 900 dollars yeah. um i mean that's the dream right there you know and then build it that way that's that's um, amazing by you know using this platform uh, and it's it's seemingly streamlined um, I you know I it's like okay so uh, Graham Colton fellow singer-songwriter uh, I'm sure you're familiar with his startup uh, fans well which did pretty much the same thing it went under after a few years couldn't make it work um, I'm curious why you think this is going to work um, this way I know you're not, I, you know, he had the same, he said the same thing to me early on when we talked of like the, the beautiful, deep experience of house concerts. Like, believe me, I'm rooting for everybody. I love yeah, this concept. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want this to work desperately. Um, you know, and then there's on the other end, there's the, the, the tried and true concerts in your home uh, for as horrendous as their website looks and has looked and the infrastructure of their website. They've been around for 15 years and have been doing the thing and have a network of similar literally have thousands of shows all over the country um, and the world actually at this point um, all over the world and and of dedicated hosts um, you know and artists it's it's they don't do the transactions uh, like you do fans well did do the transactions um, and uh, you know they do more of a pass the hat kind of thing they just facilitate these concerts right. with hosts you, and you pay artists. A membership I think to like you pay exactly you pay a, <clears throat> exactly you pay a yearly membership the artist does so you can kind of set that up um, so I guess, you know, tell me where is this, have you found, like, I'm curious, are, are you going to stay on the road of these in-person live concerts or did you notice that the money is in interactive live stream shows and we're actually going to focus more of our efforts there or we're going to try to do both of these things and, and um, hopefully it's sustainable? Yeah, I mean, we're going to try and do, but I mean, certainly there's more money in the online stuff. There's no okay. question, right? Like we had shows grossing 50, 60,000 bucks um, or doing online shows. Uh, and that's wild, right? Like mm -hmm. that's, and, and the amazing thing about online shows is that you, the production cost can be quite like, there's no hotels involved. You can do it from right. home, you know? Mm -hmm. um, now to do like a really spectacular production can be costly with techs and stuff, but the type of sure. people who can sell lots of tickets can also afford to pay those techs. Um, I mean, truly, it is, uh, I don't use any cliches here in post-pandemic world, but like, it's kind of a whole new world, right? Like, I know that, because I, I did 12 online interactive sh shows okay. where I met people from like Estonia and Indonesia and Brazil and mm -hmm. India who were tuning in. I met them, I unmuted them, I, you know, like, I know the value of those shows and they yes. help pay my mortgage throughout the pandemic. No yes. question. And, um, you know, what a, what a brilliant outlet that was. I'm going to continue to use that. Every time I release new music, I'm going to probably have like a session where I can, you know, go through the splits and uh, show everybody the stems and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> um, so there's a lot of value in online shows. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So in a sense, these two worlds can kind of feed each other right like okay. we can bring people into side doors world as an audience member in the online shows educate them about what it is that we do make them realize hey you could potentially host you know fans joy or whatever you know in yeah. your home yeah. if, you, if you sign up your space 
Yeah. So, you know, that crux of like turning the wheel, like the hosts attract the artists, the artists attract the fans. Our job is to turn those fans into hosts. And so cool. that in a, in a nutshell is, and so, you know, if we do it well and we do it right, mm -hmm. then we win. And if we do it yes. poorly, then we fail. And, you know, we're a venture backed company. We are yep. doing everything we can to move quickly and in the right mm -hmm. direction. Um, honestly, timing is, as you said, kind of on our side, like mm -hmm. the fact that all these venues have closed. Um, and the fact that I think, you know, because the pandemic has sort of given like this, it's rattled the cage of our behavior patterns in so many ways Yes, that as we come out of this, maybe people more than ever are like, you know what? I don't really want to like get a babysitter and pay to drive downtown and get a valet right. for the car. <laughs> but you're telling me I could just host a concert in my backyard, invite all my friends. And, yeah. you know, like, like what about a decentralized live entertainment system that wasn't mm. completely whole, like fully uh, beholden to a handful of downtown core and downtowns? Like there's 26 boroughs of Chicago that all have more than 50,000 people in them. To me, that is 26 touring markets. There could be, wow. yeah, you know, like that is enormous. Like there could be 5,000 mm -hmm. spaces to play just in Chicago. That, I mean, that's so true. I mean, I, well, I'm some of my house concert tours. I think I did four back-to-back -back shows in Phoenix yeah. just because there were four people individual. I didn't have, I, I don't think I, at the time I could bring 50 people to my show in Phoenix, but I ended up playing in front of like a hundred some people through yeah. those four, you know, concerts because there were four super fans in Phoenix that hosted me in their backyard and another thing. And, uh, you know, in the end it was, um, and it was great. And then, you know, building up the fan base that way and then going back and then you, I could do a club and bring a hundred yeah. people or whatever. And, and that's it. No doubt. It's, it's like, I, I it's, it's, I, I, Listen, I'm rooting for you. I really hope this 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 works because I. But think your it's healthy brilliant. skepticism is yes. is valid, yeah. And because it's a very very hard thing to do that we're doing. Like like we have we are, absolutely we are, you know we're doing it with uh, a, an unbelievable amount of intention mm -hmm. and like philosophy about why we're doing it and how we're doing it and trying to build it. Um, but like that skepticism that you're speaking of, of like, well, why would people host things in their home or in their mm -hmm. bookstore or whatever? Everyone has got different reasons. Bookstores mm -hmm. want traffic. I saw a show here in town, Tim Baker mm -hmm. played at Massey Books uh, in Chinatown. And the show was just beautiful, it was stunning. Tim's an amazing performer. Mm -hmm. And um, and every time I walk by that bookstore, I go in, because I think I, I, I connotate with that night. Mm. And, half the time I walk in there, I walk out with a book. Like, yeah, that, yeah. you know, like I, I like Smart. there is a, they've created traffic and like community brand association. Like there are reasons by which people might want to do this. Yes. The bookstore closes at seven. Well, why not reopen mm -hmm. at seven 30 and use yes. those extra hours to, you know, make more money. They were selling booze. They got a liquor license, the whole thing. Wow. So everyone has their different reasons for doing this. But the question is like, will hosts host shows? Mm -hmm. That's a question, you know? Yeah. And what we found is that, people are willing to do something for free that you could not pay them enough to do. Mm. If, you, if you said, hey, can I rent your backyard for the night? Yeah. Somebody would be like, yeah, 500 <laughs> bucks. You know? Right. But like if they're doing it for reasons that are existential and like, you know, arguably spiritual, yes. um, then, you know, they will, they will lose money to try and do something that feeds their soul. Mm. And, uh, you know, it's uh it's a gamble the whole thing is a gamble mm. i mean like you know it, 
So could I log on? I, I, I do like how when I created an artist profile, it was fairly easy to jump between like seeing the fan view or the host, uh, like what shows are happening, that kind of thing. Um, is it true where any artist can can log on, create? let's say they want to just host a show at home and they just don't want to deal with uh you know eventbrite or a ticketing platform or something like that and and do it on this there's that's the base at the at the yeah. core every artist could theoretically be a host and it could start within the artist community hosting other artists too Gym right spaces yeah absolutely yeah, yeah and like invite people yeah. down to your you know barn that you that you rehearse in or whatever absolutely i think it's also a great way to that artists musicians can network with each other and and support the touring artists that are are coming through and like if an artist has a space, which I know a lot of artists do have, uh, you know, backyards, living room, rehearsal spaces, whatever, that they could theoretically host a little house concert, um, it could even start there. Now, I, I know the magic um, is, uh, you know, in, in it's it's well, it's uh, an experience, a magical experience for, for non-musicians that have never experienced something like that before. It's like crazy to show up somewhere and there's a professional musician sitting in someone's living room playing for you. And that's, that's incredible. Um, but uh, that's great. So I, you know, I'm, I'm encouraging everybody to go on and check it out and, and um, you know, give it a world, host a concert, book one, try it out and, and let me know, let me know how yeah, it goes. Yeah. Everyone, <laughs> write, you know, write me. And anyone, you know, who already does this kind of thing, Send mm -hmm. them there too. And, you know, yeah. like, who's already hosted a show, who might be interested in doing more. There are lots of tools that we, you know, we provide to support on the back end. Uh, you know, uh, so many different, like for, for online shows, we provide customer support. We also provide tech support to those users. Yeah. If you cool. want to jump on, like, there, you can kick the tires on there. There's nothing that's obligating. You can set up a profile, uh, like a space profile or an artist profile, and just kind of mess around and see what's possible mm -hmm. one of the other features that i wanted to mention before we get sure. off here is and this is something that's really exciting to me is you can drop an availability pin as an artist of where you want to play with yes. a uh, range of, of space and a date range and every mm. single host within that bubble that radius pin that you drop will get an email saying ari's looking for shows in your area between this date and this date mm. um, and so you know that that was like the that we that's the magic feature that's, that's what i was looking feature. for okay great well that that um i'll i'm gonna look for that now when i log in because that's yeah. that's the magic feature that's exactly what yeah that's that's brilliant that's and it cool. works there was a, like you know there's an artist recently who was uh coming to vancouver to do uh like a private thing and then had had a it was like monday and they wanted to book a show on the friday mm. and then within a half an hour they found a host they booked the show the show was on sale it sold out the next day 50 tickets at 50 bucks and it was all like it all happened immediately um, and the show was three and a half days later brilliant i love that i love that i'm curious um being a co-founder of this startup uh that is vc backed where there's a lot of demands and pressures and you're you're growing rapidly and there's a gazillion moving parts um you have a 2022 you have a tour booked uh for february through april uh how much time are you spending on your music career versus side door it's been i i, I joke that you know i got into music so i never have to have a real job now uh -huh. i have two real jobs um, right. and i've got two little kids man it's a lot everything i basically through the pandemic i i was working 
I was working on creative stuff Friday afternoons. That's what I had okay. to work. So I've been making a record uh, long distance with a guy in Chicago, mm-hmm. uh, amazing producer named Drew Brown. He's worked with a lot of my favorite artists like Radiohead and Beck. And, mm-hmm. um, and so we've been working on this thing long distance. Uh, and so we're sort of starting to gear up for next year. I mean, to be honest, it's going to be intense, like uh, trying to juggle the startup thing and touring and releasing an album. Um, what we have found, for, I mean, for me personally, is that like in the early days of Side Door, my fans and my following helped bring attention to Side Door. Mm-hmm. And as Side Door grows, weirdly, it's starting to bring more attention to me as an artist too, which is kind mm-hmm. of like an interesting symbiotic relationship there. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, I don't have like a clear answer other than it's my wife is going to hate me probably really, really soon. <laughs> I'm just going to be oh, very, very busy. Um, but uh, I'm trying, trying to do my best. Did you book and, your tour with Side Door? Uh, no, usually, well, no, it's in like clubs and theaters and stuff like that. Okay. It's in larger, okay. larger venues. But um, generally on every tour, I will, you know, I'll mention Side Door from the stage and we'll get mm. a couple of host signups every night. Cool. Um, and then uh, I'll sometimes I'll I'll bookend or take a day off and you know last minute I'll book something weird in some small town or something like that cool. and do something really fun and kind of off the cuff. Yeah, love it, love it. Well, Dan, this is great, and and thank you for for sharing the story and your vision and 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 for running this thing. I mean, this is something you know. Um, as a singer stronger, but I think I, I speak for all indie musicians out there is like something that we need and we need more alternative spaces to perform. We need more of those Dougs in every more city dugs. that will be more Dougs, the Doug effect. Um, <laughs> we need the Doug effect everywhere we go. And, uh, and, and we need the infrastructure for, um, you know, the, the artists out there that do have uh, a substantial fan base that can do those live stream shows. Um, I love that you've you've built up that infrastructure for them as well, and to make it seamless. Um, and you know, it's it's I, I always appreciate when musicians uh, found companies and and run companies and like you know as a fellow musician business owner company ceo dude whatever it's like i feel you i know the balance i know the challenge with the balance i released a record this year too but yeah and how many (laughs) parallels do you see between building an audience and building a company it's like i notice it all the time i'm just like oh man this like building start start side door feels so much like building an audience it's like, you know, Seth Godin says, find your tribe and whatever your tribe is, is if it's going to be, you know, fans who like your music or just users for your pr- platform or program or, or, you know, customers or whatever you're doing. Um, so, yeah. And I, 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 didn't, I didn't go to business school. You know, I, I cut my teeth in the corner of bars just like you right. did. But, um, <laughs> you know, there are there have been countless times as we plan the product, as we, you know, fundraise, as we do all these things that it becomes really strangely obvious that there's like few people more uniquely prepared to build this Mm -hmm. thing than me having had all those years playing in those living rooms, knowing this ecosystem, this little corner of the sandbox in the music industry, very few people know it any better than I do. And so that has given me like, you know, sort of like wind under the sails to be like, okay, well, I think, I think we can do this because it's really, really hard. (laughs) I I fully, fully feel you and understand. Um, I have one final question that I ask everybody who comes on the show. Um, What does it mean to you to make it in the new music business? Hmm. Well, I I guess I'll have two answers because there's me personally as an artist and then there's side door. Okay. Uh, Me, um, this has been my goal 
forever. I, I, I have a wonderful career in Canada. We can, I can sell 3000 tickets in my hometown, sold out Massey hall in Toronto. Um, you know, that is special that I can play those theaters, those kind of like soft theaters, or maybe just like the, the large clubs. Mm-hmm. Um, for me to feel like I have made it would be if I could transfer that into the States. Like if I could do mm. like that same size venue in Cincinnati, to me, that would mean like real proper sort of like I've arrived, you know, I, mm-hmm. I, I don't have ambitions mm-hmm. of arenas. That's never been my, my right. goal. I'm not, not interested in that. But if I could do that, if I could do the soft seaters in every American major city, that'd be great. Cool. Um, and for side door, it's very, very simple. And this has been the vision from day one. I want to see a hundred thousand artists who you've never heard of, or maybe barely heard of making a hundred thousand dollars a year. And to me, that would be the beginnings of an incredible, like a worldwide middle class of artistry of people mm. who are not famous, who have maybe not been embraced by the industry at large, but are making like a carpenter's wage doing what they love. And they are able to quit their day jobs. That to me, that that's the vision. I love it. Well, uh, we will uh, all meditate on that vision and hope <laughs> that it comes true. Both of those visions, um, I'll, I'll, you let me know when you're playing LA and I'll, I'll be first in line to get that ticket. Well, uh, well, Dan Mangan. We'll, th- we'll have a high five. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you so much. My pleasure, man. Thank you so much. is brought to you by DistroKid. DistroKid is a distribution service that can get your music into all the DSPs like Spotify, Apple Music, TikTok, Tidal, Instagram. Over a million artists have used DistroKid. I'm one of those artists. I've used DistroKid to get my music out, distribute some of my songs. As you know, as I look into all of these distribution services, I test them out. And DistroKid is great. They offer a ton of features, annual fee, unlimited uploads, and you keep 100% of your royalties. Check out districtkid.com.